Hey everybody, I'm Dan Brown and welcome to the newest episode of Character Progression. I gotta get to that up front because we kind of just got going with this episode, so there wasn't really an opportunity to give the intro, which is why I'm doing it here up front. A second before the ad gets going, I just want to say this show is going wonderfully. I'm super happy with both my progression and how many people are listening to it and the kind words a lot of you have told me both online and in person. So I have a favor to ask. On whatever platform you're listening to this, if you could, please give it likes, five stars, reviews, share it with friends, whatever you got to do to get the word out. I want this to grow and grow and grow and I really need your help. Not only will that be great for me, but it'll also bring in some more ads so you can stop hearing this same anchor ad over and over, which, I mean, they're awesome, and thank you for giving me money for doing this, but I'd like to switch it up a little bit, possibly get some more sponsors, and who knows? Who knows what could happen from that point? But speaking of that ad, it's about to start now, so thank you all for listening to this. Hope you enjoy the episode, and now my cat's trying to crawl on the computer, so I guess that means it's time to start. Thanks again, everybody. Enjoy. So actually, did you see Super Broly? I did. I did. And, uh, and dude, okay, so I got to say that, like, Bardock... And Brawly are two of my favorite characters throughout the entire Dragon Ball universe. Like, right. comes down, bottoms up, like, you know, and, and, and the way that the movies portrayed him and everything was, was a huge part of that. And so, like, after watching, like, the Super Brawly, I honestly, from, like, because I've had to, like, really take myself out of it. And, of course, I went and, like, watched everybody's videos and how much they hated it and this, that, and the other. And a couple people yeah. were in it, you know. I'm for it now, man. I'm super duper for it now. Like, everything except Bardock just didn't have a bandana. I wish he could have just had a bandana for no reason. I just think it looks yeah. cool. <laughs> you know, like, even if it wasn't mm-hmm. soaked in his wife's blood, you know, that's fine. Just give him the bandana. It was cool looking. Like, he's got the scar. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. now, my, my only complaint with it is that they turned Bardock into Jor-El and Goku just straight up into Superman. Yes. Like, yes. He, he wasn't a destroyer who bumped his head and lost his memory. He was just some guy. guy yeah. Who, like, uh, yes. That is, that is one thing. Uh, attitude wise. I definitely liked the cold hearted killer from the original, um, movie where like Bardock was this hard dude up until some crazy stuff happened. And he was right. like, Oh snap. You know, <laughs> like but that was, I did love him figuring out that Frieza was going to kill them all. Yes. Yeah, I, I did. I appreciated that aspect of it as well. And I and I like that significantly more than licking a fish person and getting crazy visions. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a much more legitimate way to go about it and him finding out about the future. It was a bummer. One of the things the YouTubers put up was I uh, said he was really sorry that Bardock never got to see his son beat Frieza. Right. And, uh, and I like that. But again, it, it almost comes to Bardock's selflessness a little more without it because it's, yeah. it's it, it, that was Bardock's story. You know what I mean? Goku's story comes later. The end right. of Bardock's story is not Goku. Bardock's story ends when he died to try and save his people. Yeah. You know? And so that's a, that's a good period on the end of his life. And I think that was cool. 
I didn't like that they made Goku older when they sent him to Earth, because that kind of retcons a bunch of, of that stuff. But at the same time, you're getting the story from super-duper old Gohan, who was like, oh, yeah, I found him when he was a baby. So I'm like, eh, arguably that's fine. You know, maybe the old dude didn't know the difference between one and three. And yeah. sure, you know, why not? You know, and Goku did bump his head, so he forgot everything. So he was probably a little melon-headed for a little bit anyway. <laughs> a little bit. He still is. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> He's got traumatic brain injury from a child. That's I mean, pretty so much. Like, I love Dragon Ball. I love Goku. Goku's a fucking idiot. Oh, man. It's so hard. And especially if you've, like, gone back, like, as an adult and watched, like, Dragon Ball Z abridged. It's yeah. really hard to argue that point. <laughs> but even, like... People are, people complain about Super. They're like, oh, Goku's so much dumber in Super. Is he, though? Or does he just have more screen time to talk about just everyday stuff? He's just in his head more in Super. Like, that's the real issue, is you're really getting to know Goku. Yeah, <laughs> he was always an idiot. He was a goofy dude. From day one. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, coming to Dragon Ball, like, I, I um, a really cool... Man, I wish I knew, like, who these YouTubers were so I could, like, throw them props. But it's just a, an amalgam of madness all over the YouTube. So one of the things I liked best about some of the stuff people were saying about uh, Goku and Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z and, and going through the whole process was Dragon Ball. The first arc of it was really Bulma's story. Oh, yeah. She bumps into the kid and, and she's got the adventure for the Dragon Balls and scoops him up along the way. thought that was a really like cool way to look at it because you really have almost a, a one-dimensional character in young Goku. You know? Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's an innocent kid who can fight the end. It doesn't become his story until we get, like, Mercenary Tao yeah. and, like, Yajirobe comes in and all that stuff. When it really, like, starts to, to focus around him, and when you look back, especially with Dragon Ball in particular, Goku was based off of Sun Wukong, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong. But again, from you know Marvel vs. Capcom, you, you got to play with a similar character. But it's the monkey character that lives in the woods. He's like a relatively like a not necessarily an agent of chaos, where you would think of uh, like a Joker character. You know what I mean? But he's like a neutral good character, where he is of the earth. You know what I mean? He is he's Goku. He is the wild. He is you know everything that a young man is at its utmost. You know, he's wild, he's silly, he likes to break things and eat. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, it's just, and it's all coming from a place of innocence because he grew up in the woods. And so, like, his character is just formed around such a natural state of being. It's hard to contain that in a story. Follow that through a story because you're just like, well, this is nature in action. You know, you're watching a documentary at this point, you know. So when you have the interaction with Bulma, who is like the order to the chaos... And mm -hmm. this blending of society onto that wildness. And that almost, I mean, well, realistically it does. It actually continues through the entire series now that I'm thinking about it. And Bulma is basically order in every situation. She's the only character that's in every season besides Goku, Master Roshi. But she yeah. goes to Namek, and she's the one that, you know, keeps Krillin and Gohan on task. She, you know, ends up marrying Vegeta, who is arguably the most chaotic of, brings him back down to Earth. And, and Bulma, as a stabilizing character, I mean, you, you could argue that the entire series is really about her, I guess, if you really wanted to. But, um, except for the time in Namek, when she's hiding in the cave. <laughs> yeah, but then we got that great filler episode where she was in a submarine with a crab. <laughs> yes! 
face, which was fantastic. As much as I don't like most of the filler episodes, I do love that because it's just so ridiculous. <laughs> silly. So silly. And that's another thing about Goku in particular and Dragon Ball and Akira Toriyama's kind of lens on the world is that innocent, lighthearted simplicity of it all. Like, Goku yep. fights and he eats. You know what I mean? That's what he does. And there's simplicity in that that's just super incredible to me. And it's that funniness and that silliness. And it's a, oh, man, I'm running all the way down Snake Way, but I can, I can go for a meal. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I was reading something not long ago that was talking about, like, character arcs as a concept. And they talked about, you know, some characters have a positive character arc. If you look at, you know, like Vegeta. Mm-hmm. Vegeta right. has a positive character arc. Absolutely. Meanwhile, you look at like, you know, the negative character arcs as someone who goes downhill over the course of it. And Goku is a great example of the neutral character arc in the same way that like, I don't know if you've seen the movies, but the Paddington Bear movies. Uh-huh. It's the same thing. He's neutral. He doesn't change. His personality is the same from the second the first movie starts to the second that the second one ends. But it doesn't mean that he's a bad or underdeveloped character. It means that he is the constant. Yes. And the world around him is changed by him interacting with it. Absolutely, yeah. Him being the constant. And that's really Goku being the constant of Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT Super, and, and all of the funny stuff that they made on YouTube made him one of the biggest influences on my life growing up because it was one of those things where no matter what he was up against, no matter who he was up against, it was that solid attitude of whatever comes will come, but I'm going to have a good time until it gets here. Yeah. And it was, it was made the most prevalent in the Cell games when he had Gohan switch out with because right. it, it wasn't a matter of safety. It wasn't a matter of this is the world. This is the whole world. Cell's going to destroy everything if, if yeah. you don't get this right, dude. Like, that wasn't what was in his mind. What was in his mind was Gohan's going to learn the most from this, and he's got the best chance of winning. Yeah, and also, I like to fight really strong opponents. So, hey, Cell, here's a sensu bean. Let's let you be as strong as possible so that my son can have the best time fighting you. Exactly. And with the amount of time, and again, Team Four Star, good job, with what they did with Dragon Ball Z Bridge, is they really brought to attention how little time Goku got to spend with Gohan. Mm-hmm. I think that was really important, too. And that was something I never picked up, of course, in the series, because my favorite character in Dragon Ball Z was Piccolo. Uh, he was he was, just, he was the cool guy. He was the Raphael. He was the guy who didn't take no crap from nobody. And even though he right. wasn't as strong, he still showed up and did his thing. And uh, he was a little less aggressive, I guess, as Vegeta was. They filled a similar niche. It wasn't the same. And so, like, I really liked Piccolo. And, like, I wish, like, maybe I could have been as cool as Piccolo in my mind. But as far as influence goes, and really who I would have rather have been, Goku just takes the cake, man. He just was capable of being somebody to look up to without feeling like he was above you. You know, he, he would inspire you in a way of like, man, I wish I could be as cool as him. But also, man, because of him, I think I could be. No, like other than training, he doesn't do anything that the rest of us couldn't do. Like personality wise, he's not... And I feel like this was probably intentional, but I don't know for sure one way or the other. But he was, he's not smarter than the viewer. He's not more committed than the viewer to fighting, but not to like anything else in life. I I would say he's not 
He's not better than you. He's he's not less intelligent than the viewer, but he's probably less educated. Yes. And so it makes him significantly more digestible. The things yeah. that he does make simple sense. You absolutely know why he would make that decision. You know what I mean? Right. And, and everything that he does until it gets to the really grandiose things where, you know, he's got to hold Raditz while Piccolo shoots him both. For me, coming into Dragon Ball Z, I was a child. I mean, maybe five or six. I was born in 88. They started airing in America 94, 95, I guess. And then yeah, course, on on WB on Saturday sick. mornings. And then it moved to Toonami once that became a thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, like, when I was watching it on WB, it was the, of course, it was that and Sailor Moon were my first intros to, to anime, you know, and it was both right. of those. Man, they played before I went to school for a long time on WB, and they played, like, right at 8 o'clock because Mighty Max came on. I can't remember if it was right before or right after, but either way, it was Mighty Max, Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball Z. They were in a three-piece block, and it was, like, my favorite, but it was always, like, right when I had to go to school, and so it was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so but I remember being a little kid and just seeing, I mean, just Dragon Ball Z in general was just so awe-inspiring. Because mm -hmm. it was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. I didn't have Cartoon Network or the Disney Channel or anything growing up. So I watched a lot of PBS and just like whatever they had on and Nickelodeon or whatever they had on, you know. And so yeah. I was huge like Doug and the Rugrats and like all that stuff that was happening. And then I switch over to this thing. These dudes are boxing. You know, they're just running around just whopping the crap out of each other. And like there's all this like screaming and yelling. And it's like a little young man. Like I was like, yeah, I want to scream and yell and hit stuff. Like this is everything in life that I love. Right. <laughs> like really cool people doing it. And I was like, yeah, I can get behind that. Like, that's awesome. And so, like, I'm seeing all this, like, madness for the first time and in this chaos of just, like, input. I mean, just, and you know how, like, anime is. It's flashes and, and sparks and explosions and madness. And especially Dragon Ball with people, like, the way that the fights were always choreographed of uppercut somebody, shoot a blast to shoot them up in the air. Right, either yeah. fly up to them like spike them down to the ground then just disappear reappear on the ground punch them as they fall and they fly through a mountain <laughs> exactly where else could you get that you, at the time no. nowhere that did not exist it did not exist and so then you like watch that happen and like and when i was first watching it like i i vaguely understood that raditz was goku's brother and he was an alien all i knew was that that dude with the really long hair is the bad guy and for some reason this green dude and the guy flying on the cloud are boys now and they didn't used to be and they're both gonna go fight this guy and i'm yeah. down with it. Like, right. You know, so exactly. That guy he stands for. I like these guys because they're friends with the old guy and the other people I like for whatever reason. And, yeah, well, and like, but, Raditz but, hit Krillin and kidnapped Gohan. And, like, I don't know anything about these characters. I know that guy kidnapped a kid and hit a short guy. Therefore, I hate him. And anybody who wants to stop him, I'm rooting for you. We're going to find you and stop you because you're a dick. And yeah. that's all you needed. And, that, and dude, that was plenty of reason. And so they get there. And then, like I said, you know, amongst all of this chaos and, and craziness is that constant of Goku, who's got this attitude of like, you know, hey, man, do you have anything that can stop this guy? Yeah, but it's going to take me five minutes to charge. Are you ready to catch an ass whipping for the next five minutes? Hmm. All right, let's go. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'm ready. I can do that. Let's go. I got five in me. (laughs) And so like all this is going down and still he's got that attitude and still his son just got kidnapped and he's on his way to save him. But it's not, oh man, you know, what if something happens to Gohan? It's we've got to get there before something happens to Gohan. You know what I mean? That attitude throughout the entire process of man, like this dude is just, he's on it. He's got it figured out and he knows how to make it happen. Like even if he doesn't, he's ready to figure it out. And so immediately in the first season, you've got the main character die. What? That was like watching Game of Thrones, but I was eight. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I watched this dude that I just fell in love with die in front of me. And I was like, what is going on? Because like most Americans, I had no idea what Dragon Ball was, what the Dragon Balls were, like none of that. Like I had no filler information. And at eight years old, I don't even know if I would have comprehended it. Yeah. <laughs> or if you did, it's just like, well, there's these balls that give you a wish once a year, and then they're rocks. Not like, would you have cared even? Right, exactly, exactly. You know, the rest of it's good enough. Like, whatever, dude, blowing up mountains. Like, yeah, sweet. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so the main character dies. And so then it made me as a young person have an emotional reaction to a television show in a way that I've never had before in my life. I hadn't, at that point in time, I hadn't had anybody major die in my life. You know what I mean? So this is like the first important figure to me to die. Mm-hmm. And so that shook me, like, as a person. And, and it solidified that moment of he waited five minutes to be killed. Yeah, like, knowing that that was going to happen, like that there was no way around it. Right, exactly. Knowing it was going to happen, prepared for it, and making it happen. And not even a hesitation with it. And thinking about it now, I never really noticed it before, but like he and Piccolo weren't friends. Not by a long At that time. point, like he and Piccolo, like the last time they fought, they legitimately tried to kill each other. The only reason Piccolo even agreed to join was like, I want to take over the world. These guys want to destroy it. I'm going to help you stop them so that then I can kill you and take over the world. So he sacrifices himself there, lets his enemy win, and then leaves his... At that point, his arch enemy, really. Yeah, and then leaves his four-year-old son, who they just rescued, with his enemy. (laughs) Yeah, that was the scenario he was tapping out of. (laughs) But he knew that, like, you know, somewhere in that chaos, there was peace. And as long as he did his part, everything would fall all right. And man, it's like watching that as a kid, like just it shook my reality on, on for one thing, you know, like what life was, much less cartoons. You know? <laughs> and so then you have the entire arc of him getting through hell and all that like silliness and like all the crazy snake way stuff. But then you get to the Kame house and you get this beautiful Mr. Miyagi moment. You know, you have all of this stuff and, and Goku's character progression is within his Kung Fu. And I think that a lot of the spirit bomb is a huge part of why Goku left a lasting impression on me. Because his character, like we said, you know, he's a constant. Goku's Goku until Goku stops being Goku. (laughs) And so where you look into a character like that, you say, well, where can you grow? And the the really and truly the, the best direction is directly up. Because his roots are so firmly planted in who he, like, you know who he is. After that first character, he's Jesus. He's ready to die for everybody. You know, without a shadow of doubt, like, that is who Goku is. Now, who can Goku become? Right. Like, where do you go after after that? Well, you go into the great teacher role. So once you have mastered, you know, this life and you die and you go into the next one, you know, what do you do next? And that's a huge conundrum for humanity. And, well, Goku, 
he went and worked out. <laughs> you know, he got up into the same thing because he's freaking consistent. Yeah, and being so, dead wasn't going to stop him from bettering himself. That's ex- exactly right. And if that's not Nirvana, I don't know what is. Right. <laughs> I mean, really. And so you have him go, and so then he goes and he betters himself to a point where he can no longer do that in the current form that he's in. His, his dead form has peaked. And so now he's got to return to Earth and fight Frieza to get to the next form. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, this is something that, you know, Dragon Ball Z established and Shonen Jump has done ever since with the more powerful villains and why they're more powerful and how they're more powerful. And an issue, or you could call it an issue, that Super ran into with too many power-ups. And I think yeah. Akira Toriyama was really just taking the piss out of it when he did that. And he brought in the idea of the Ultra Instinct because in Kung Fu, instinct is what it is. I mean, he nailed it as far as I'm concerned with the Ultra Instinct ideal. That's the pinnacle. That's the peak of physical and mental capability in a combat art form. <laughs> and so, like, you know, that's, that's of course, where Goku ends. But from the Saiyan saga to the Frieza saga, Goku is becoming, you know, even greater than what he was. And he's learning how to become a teacher, in my opinion. Because once he actually gets to fight Frieza, he absolutely doesn't want to. Because he has surpassed, and you ask anybody that's into MMA or martial arts, I mean, once you really understand combat and what you're capable of, your want to fight other people diminishes. Or at least there's a bit of diminishing. If you're an asshole, you're going to want to fight everybody anyway. That's Some people are just some people. But once you really start to understand martial arts, you really do start to understand that you don't want to fight anyone. There has to be an easier way. There has to be a better way. And so that's even after Frieza has wiped out countless worlds and all this stuff. And Goku knows when he approaches Frieza, after he becomes a Super Saiyan, he gives him another out. He sees how strong Frieza is, and he thinks that's awesome. Because yeah. him just got to fight, you know, and Frieza was more powerful than him. And he reached the level of Super Saiyan, and he knew unequivocally that Frieza did not stand a chance. Mm-hmm. And he was like, look, man, we still don't have to do this. Like, what? And even at the very end, when Frieza was just like, I can breathe in space, I can survive if the planet blows up, you can't. And he's just like, all right, cool, well, here's my energy. Here's enough energy to survive until the planet explodes, and then you'll still be alive. You can do whatever you got to do to survive from there. Exactly. And and, and the final blow was in Goku's self-defense. You know, yeah. and, I, and I think that's another incredible thing that Akira Toriyama did up until, I think, the Boo Saga. Goku never killed anybody. No. Never once. He was the Batman of the DBZ universe for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that is a... I think Akira Toriyama did it better with Goku. And now, granted, he hasn't had hundreds of thousands... Well, like he has had hundreds of thousands of issues to write. But... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whereas with Batman, he gets a little more convoluted and, and it stops making sense that he's not killing people because the people he's, you know, fighting are, are continuing to break out, yada, yada. Yeah, we've and, all played the Ark- we've all played the Arkham games where, you know, you interrogate a guy in Arkham Knight by driving a car and parking it on some dude's head and, <laughs> and or shooting him with like a rubber tank shell and being like, good thing those are rubber. Good thing he survived that. Like, no, bullshit. He's dead. <laughs> he got hit in the face with a tank shell. I don't care if it's made out of feathers. He's not getting up. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way. And so, yeah. like, with the, with the whole, like, the hero doesn't kill conundrum, you can disagree with Goku, but he is absolutely coming from a place of peace. 
you can't argue with where he's coming from. You know, you can you can look at what he does and how he does it and say, well, that was stupid because, well, in retrospect, sure. But now you look at DBZ Super and Frieza was able to hold off Brawley for an hour. Why? Because mm-hmm. he had enough respect for Goku because he beat the piss out of him three or well, he didn't do it three times, but he got beat up by Saiyans three times. You know, <laughs> and so like without those three hard lessons. Would Frieza have been enough of a man or woman or whatever he is? Is I'm not you know, judging, <laughs> but uh, but would he have been canonically enough? man? Right, right. Would he have been enough to not say fuck it? I'm out. You know, halfway through that Brawley fight, like I don't know these people. I don't care for these people. This isn't my fight. I'm gone. Because he was probably fast enough to leave, but well, he had to he- sit there. Hour taking that beating from Brawley while Goku and Vegeta did the dance, like he had to have enough faith in those characters. The amount of times that they beat him right. in order to stick around for this greater foe. That's kind of the unsung part of Super in that while everybody looks at it specifically in terms of like one of the complaints I've heard about Super was that there wasn't as much character growth among people as there was in Z or the original series. And while, yeah, like Krillin had his couple episodes and stuff like that, the Frieza had that character growth. In the beginning of Resurrection of F, when Broly shows up, it would have pieced the hell out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, nope. nope. He's like, nah, y'all, this is my fight. <laughs> I made an error. Y'all got it. (laughs) Because even like earlier on in the movie when they're like, oh, you're getting the Dragon Balls. What are you going to, you're going to wish for immortality. And he's like, no, why would I want that? You're going to wish to be invulnerable. That takes all the fun out of it. Yep. Like he wants, he still wants Goku dead, but he wants to be the one strong enough to do it. If Goku can't beat Broly or if he can't beat Broly, he's sure as hell not going to give up because then he doesn't get that victory. Exactly. Exactly. And, and and I love, too, because in my opinion, like, the way Akira Toriyama is building the world now, and, and we were talking about Super earlier in the Brawley movie and everything, and one of the things that I think did the best with the, with the new Bardock story, with the new Broly story, I think that he is setting up the universe for so much more. You know, because he's able and capable to make sense of stories that were a little wonky. Yeah. You know, like with the Bardock story, like I said, you got to like fish people to <laughs> see the future. <laughs> like, it's weird, man. Nobody really like made that make sense. Right. And then like he comes back and he's like on Vegeta before it's Vegeta. And like that whole thing was way weirder. <laughs> and, and can I say like probably my favorite scene in the entire movie is like baby... Raditz and baby Vegeta just being assholes together. Yeah, and how like, cool was that to see Raditz hey, again? Hey, Raditz, don't you have a kid brother? Yeah, he was in a pod. He's probably dead. Hey, <laughs> Vegeta, didn't you have a brother? Yeah, but he was weak. He's probably dead. Oh, wait, this means I'm never going to be- get to be king now. There's not a planet for me to be king of. This sucks. Yeah, like, no, your your dad died. Your whole family died. Everyone you've ever known died. Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, like, I want to be king. That's not going to happen now. Shit. Dude, yeah, I'm going to go back to... to a saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that was... That was yeah, that, I really do, like, seeing Raditz again was so neat. Because, especially because, again, you know, Team Four Star, holler at you. How they play Raditz. Like, all the Cybermen were the same power as our Raditz. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> like, you know, to actually to see him get a little screen time back in the real, you know, the proper world, I thought that was really cool. I thought it was a cool hark back. And, and again, you know, you want to talk about character development, like, that's who those people were when they were young. Yeah. You know, there's a reason that Sands are as hard as they are, you know, because one, even when your whole peoples die, you're still a hard-ass little kid. <laughs> that yeah, we're like, Nappa was upset, and Raditz and Vegeta just didn't care. Didn't care at all. Exactly. Well, Raditz didn't care. Vegeta was just annoyed. Not upset. Yeah, he, just he like, cared the other way. <laughs> yeah. He cared for a completely selfish way, and that shows... I mean, really, back to what we were saying before about Goku, being that neutral arc, knowing Goku taught him that there's more to care about in the world than himself. And had Goku killed him on his way off the planet, you know, he wouldn't have been able to learn that hard lesson, and he wouldn't have been able there to, to hold off Frieza until Goku got there, until they got the Dragon Balls. I'm not going to go as far as to say that, you know, Akira Toriyama is that long-sided or he intended to do that, but nevertheless, the consequences of the choices he made in the story allowed for so much neat stuff to happen. You know, like making your enemies your friends is something that isn't seen very much. No. And it's one of the reasons where, like, here recently, oh God, I say recently, I'm going to bring up Teen Titans. But, hmm. like, the character of Terra was so cool. Was because yep. she was good and she went bad. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, okay. So, you know, that's an option where you don't really see the bad guys coming back over like that. And then, of course, right. in the Shonen Bump series, you get that a lot more. And it, and it played out even better in a lot of cases. But it's such a cool story to be told that is a testament to your main character. It's mm -hmm. a testament to who Goku is. The fact that he could change that little bratty kid that didn't even care if his whole species was murdered to this guy who's got a wife and a family and he's actually trying to raise them. Even though he's exactly who he is, Vegeta hasn't changed. He's grown. And yeah. I think that's the same with Goku is he never really changes, but you watch him grow. And so when he gets to that, you know, the, the post-Frieza fight and he's won and he's won and he's won three times over and he still gives Frieza that chance to live... It was incredible. And then the fact that, you know, he spends all that time in space and all this other stuff. And, you know, he, he spends all that time training. Well, when they come back to Earth and it's the um, Android Saga, right? Comes after yeah. the... Yeah. So once he comes back and it's the whole Android Saga, well, in between that, they had the Garlic Jr. Saga, which was, you know, a miniseries. But it allowed for all of those other characters to exist in a world without Goku. Mm -hmm. And that was that we got to see a glimpse of in the Piccolo training Gohan portion where there's really an emptiness there without him. It's not that everybody's, you know, so much sadder without him. Of course, they talk about it and things like that. But it's it's the world of Dragon Ball seems less without Goku. And it is without him that you really realize how good the character is. Right. Because in that season, you know, you see his son have to step up and you see his best friend have to step up. And it's cool because it's not these ultra-crazy powerful things. It's these things that Goku defeated as a young man. And now, you know, the Wheel of Time, you know, life is cyclical. His son now has to face these challenges. Yeah. And I think that's something that gets brought up again at the end of the Dragon Ball Z series when it's Goku Jr. versus Vegeta Jr. So, you know, you see Akira Toriyama hark back to almost like your podcast states the character of Goku that is passed on in the series. And so you see his character come out when Gohan, this little nerdy kid, has to buck up and face his demons. You know, you mm -hmm. see the character of Goku when Vegeta has to step in 
and he's the one that you know has to take care of um yeah i lost my train of thought with that one but it's the character that still exists within the world that influences these people and, and and the way that it influences these people in such a positive light that you really see his character so without his character being in the show you see what his character really is and mm-hmm. i aspect of it you know and and and, you know you you give the characters the same hair when they're young and you're like okay cool that's supposed to be goku again you know that's that's kind of the ham-handed way to do it but the philosophical way to do it is the idea that goku never dies that that little the story that he was based on that monkey in the jungle like that character never really dissipates or disappears it's just like link in hyrule he's gonna come back the world's gonna need a hero and because Goku was Goku when Goku was Goku. <laughs> Somebody in the future is going to be allowed to fill those shoes, to right. fill that weighted vest, to fill those you know parachute pants. Uh, there's going to be somebody down the line because he was able to do it first. And I think that's really cool. And then you know coming into the Cell Saga, like I said, you know he's able to pass that torch to teacher. You know he gets to spend that full year with Gohan where he's stuck in the hyperbolic time chamber and he's able to really get to know his son for the first time in either of their lives. And it is a completely combative place. And it is simultaneously the place that Goku is the most at home. To be able to give that to his son, I think is something that for Goku was, was everything. And so in order for him to have the confidence to step away from a world-threatening monster like Cell and rejuvenate, recover him, and pat his son on the back and say, you got him, kid, that is humongous. You know, in in jujitsu, you're not allowed to have your black belt until you teach another brown belt up until what you know. That's when you're allowed to have a black belt is when you've taught someone what you know. And I think that is as far as Kung Fu and martial arts is concerned, something that is vastly overlooked in that that scene in Dragon Ball Z where Goku truly passes it on to Gohan, his knowledge, his strength, his power, where it comes from. And I think that without, of course, you know, Android 16 dying and everything, um, that power could not have been unleashed because of Gohan's uh, mental state in that fight. But Goku knew it was there. Goku had seen it. Goku had fought with him and, and gotten a measure of his character and knew what Gohan was truly capable of. You know, it was that little kid that busted out of the escape pod and headbutted Raditz in the chest, you know? Goku right. knew what that power was, but assumed probably that the fight with Cell would unleash it, more unfortunately it did not. But that moment in the character arc of Goku as the martial arts master was the black belt. You know, yeah. that's when he was able to tie it on. He said, I, I know what there is to know, and I will know no more until I've taught it. And for me, you know, going back and teaching surfing after I have surfed for several years, I find myself relearning and reteaching myself things that I just gloss over. It becomes muscle memory, and you say, oh, whatever. You know, but then you, you look at the pros do it, and then I'm telling this little kid to do it. Why am I not doing it? You're right. Why am I? my hands off of this like this that's silly and so there's absolutely something to that ideal of you can never truly master something until you've taught it and i think that was a really cool way to you know not only pass the torch to gohan but put that period on the end of goku's kung fu and now of course when we got to the majin buu saga and everything you know akira toriyama himself even said he was a little burnt out 
he was tired. He had been doing weekly mangas for, God, it was something like a decade and some change. I mean, he'd been doing yeah. every week. He had to pump something out for, I mean, you know, what most people would absolutely assume is realistic. And he, not only did he kill it, but he did something that absolutely changed the world as far as the way that things are written, done. I mean, you know, the entire Shonen Jump, their most popular, you know, mangas, the One Pieces, the Yu Yu Hakusho's, things like that, where... You know, you have these characters that are leveling up, and they have to fight guys that are leveling up, you know? <laughs> Mythos alone was created through the mind of this man that kind of, you know, put to the fire and, and really tested. And I think Akira Toriyama's comic book Kung Fu was very powerful throughout that entire series. And he was yeah. able to really express a way of storytelling that until that series wouldn't even be possible. So it was, it was something to behold when... Goku really passed that torch. And then, of course, watching it as a young man, seeing Gohan, the young guy, pick it up and do his thing. And, of course, that final Kamehameha where he's got one arm. And, like, I just, oh, all the emotion again, you know? Yeah. Somehow, they, somehow he killed Goku twice and made me feel the same both times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't corny. It wasn't lame. It wasn't anything but perfect. Because yeah. got to see, again, that circle of life the cyclical nature of things of, of Goku now truly being able to reach Nirvana because he has a complete understanding of the practice. Yeah. And he's being dead. He's okay with being dead now. You know, he's, he's straight until he gets up there and they're like, Hey, you want to compete in a tournament? And he's like, Oh shit, there's tournaments up here. Yeah. Yeah. I want to do that. You know? <laughs> like, well, again, like it was a conscious decision again, but the only difference is this time it wasn't a, when he died against Raditz, it was a, I have no choice. I have to hold this guy still. With Cell, granted, he didn't know that Cell would survive it. Mm-hmm. But still, he was just like, he could have teleported him away and then just teleported back and been like, yeah, he's good. We're all good. But <laughs> instead, he like actively makes the decision of, I'm at peace. I don't need to do this anymore the world is safe whether I'm in it or not. Exactly. And it was a very Qui-Gon Jinn moment. Or not Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Where he's mastered it. And everything that he has is. It's not going to be anymore. As in, you know, not necessarily as far as he's concerned, but he's contented within the footprint that he's leaving on the world. And the people that he's leaving the world in the hands of. Makes for great storytelling, man. You know, when you can really, I mean, you know, if you ended Dragon Ball Z at the Cell Saga, man, that's a pretty bow. You know? Yeah. If, if it really ended there, man, you could really just say that that was a perfect Ronin arc. You know, you have this wandering samurai who is now lone wolf and cub, and mm-hmm. he's got to figure out how to raise the cub and pass on what he knows. And when it's his time, he goes. Yeah, Kira Toriyama just, I mean, hats off to him. If you ended it there, it was phenomenal. And the Boo Saga was fun. You know, screw what anybody says. It was a lot of fun. But it didn't have that growth for Goku that the rest of it had had. It was, I mean, great. It was more Gohan story than anything. Right. And you did get to see that growth within Vegeta because it's the first time he sacrifices himself for the greater good. You know, he goes mod to get the power to beat Goku, but realistically he was never intending on being evil. He just wanted to beat Goku. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, like, and that led to one of the greatest fight scenes in all of DBZ. That, oh my god, and, and all of the anime music videos, like, the, the if you've never, anybody in the whole world, if you've never seen the anime music video, smack my bitch up to that 
fight scene. It's one of the greatest things. Like, if you like, don't go back and watch Dragon Ball Z. It's arduous. It's long. It's tough. And when you watch Dragon Ball Z Kai, you kind of just feel like you're missing stuff. So it's like not the same either. But like, go back and just watch the anime music videos about Dragon Ball Z, and it will just take you on a nostalgia trip because it's the music from that era. It's the you know, it's the, it's everything, man. And so like watching watching that smack my bitch up anime music video, Majin Vegeta versus Goku, is easily one of just the coolest things in the Dragon Ball Z universe. I think the fact that he made something so awe-inspiring that people outside of his community, I mean, 5,000 miles away on a different part of the Earth, were creating art forms that had never existed prior to it. You know? Like, who would have just said, I'm going to sit at home and I'm going to put music to my favorite Dragon Ball Z scenes? Like, right. that's cool. Shit, that's an art form as far as I'm concerned. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's neat. That's super neat. And it's and it's one of those things where like that's a huge part of my life. Because once Dragon Ball Z was over, it was just the reruns. I didn't have GT to go to, I didn't have YouTube to go to, I didn't have all these other things to go to. And so I had these music videos that I would download off of Kazaa. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? And yeah, sure, they ruined my computer, but man, I got little drops of nostalgia that were absolutely inaccessible otherwise. And so, like, the fact that Akira Toriyama created a character, now, granted, he's based on a character that is timeless. The Monkey King character is, is a timeless character, but Akira Toriyama was able to put him into a lens that made him so much more digestible and so much more interested. Not, well, I won't say so much more interesting, but so much more involved. Man, it's hard not to like Goku. My wife likes Goku. Like, you know right. what I mean? He's this character that is just, he's, he's one of those enigmatic personalities. He's undeniable. You just can't be around him, even though you know now that he was a bad father, and he was like, all, all these you know, character flaws. You couldn't sit in the same room as him and be like, oh, that guy's a dick. You couldn't. No. It's just like you said, when you meet people out and about, sometimes they're what you expected, sometimes they're assholes, whatever. Like, I can't imagine a scenario where you meet Goku, and granted, he could probably break some of your stuff, and that's, you know, that sucks. But, like, if you talk to him for a second afterwards, you know he didn't mean to. (laughs) There's not a malicious bone in his body. And it's something to his character that, that just allows... For so much understanding, because you're never going to say, well, Goku did this just so he could get stronger, or Goku did this just so he could do this, or Goku did that. No, Goku did it because in that moment, Goku thought that was the right thing. Like, in any given moment, in any given scenario, you don't think Goku was thinking backhandedly, or Goku was thinking about what he could gain from this outside of the fun and the fight, you know? He was always the character that you knew he was the hero. And that's something you don't get a lot of anymore. You get a no. shitload of anti-heroes and guys that are begrudgedly saving the world. And da, da, da. No, dude, Goku fought this dude for five minutes knowing he was going to die at the end of it. And mm-hmm. didn't, you know, didn't blink an eye, you know, had a short conversation with his worst enemy about how it's going to go down, and he made it happen. And it's one of those things, man, where just when I was a kid and I saw that character, I knew that I could be that guy. Because like we were talking about, like Goku wasn't, he was your everyman. He was your blue-collar superhero, you know? Yeah, pretty so much. Many, you know, woodsman's son that came out and fought every now and then. And so to have this character that was accessible and understandable and relatable and fun and exciting and intriguing and, and so vastly kind. 
it was just something that you had never seen in a series before. You know, like I said, when I, at that point in time, I was watching Doug, and you knew Doug was the hero because Doug got picked on, not because mm-hmm. Doug was a hero. <laughs> you know, it was, Doug was a hero because he had to be. Goku was just a hero. He was the guy that everybody else looked to when everything went wrong. Nobody looked at Doug when there were issues. Doug no, looked, you looked at you looked at Chalky. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, because because he was that dog character. You you knew that dog was the hero because. He was a dog. You never question the dog because you know what a dog thinks. Love and passion. You know? And when you look at Goku, that's what you see. You know, you see that kind of unafraid, unashamed love, compassion for everything and everyone in his life. And even when he was a complete ditz and dunce and fool, he was still so endearing to Chi Chi that she never remarried. You know, he was so, he, Chi-Chi was so in love with this person that she would absolutely do and almost allow anything for him because he was who he was. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, those, those side characters that don't get a lot of play and don't get a lot of talk and, and a lot of people, you know, I, I wish Chi-Chi did have a bigger part, but I think because she had such a small part in the show, but such a huge part in Goku, because he talked about her all the time. And he never talked bad about her. Just huh? that he was going to get ass kicked if he screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> was the closest he ever got to, to bad-mouthing. Just being like, yeah, well, I love her. She's sweet. But I'm not going to piss her off. Because <laughs> exactly. you're God. Exactly. And that in and of itself is another testament to Goku's character. Is That was his woman. He would never speak down about his woman to anybody in any no. given scenario. That's just who he was. And man, there's just so many little things like that about his character that you can look back on and really dissect and break down and just what the people around him thought of him and how they reacted to him and how stoked they were when he showed up in any scenario. Hey, Goku's here! Hey, Goku's here! None of those people would have been together if not for Goku. He was Mm -hmm. the guy that held that entire crew together during and after his life. You know, and it was something that all of these characters could draw on in their darkest moments. What would Goku do? You know, how would Goku handle this? And it was something that you as a viewer and me as a kid, as a young man, I could be like, man, when it was hard and when things got weird or whatever happened in life that gets you down, you can go and think about something that Goku did and be like, man, you can push through this. He had a mental callus that was rock solid you know his his mind was pure as the driven snow when it came to things that had to be done and even if you, nobody's gonna sit there and be like yeah he wanted to die in that scene against rad it's nobody nobody would think that no but he knew that he was going to and he made it happen man I, I keep going back to that because that really like i said that was the biggest moment for me when i realized like man this dude's awesome yeah oh you know it's a really good comparison when I, I realized that goku was a better person than me was the same moment that I realized Steve Rogers was a better person than me in the first Captain America movie, the first Avenger. The moment when they're in basic training and he throws that grenade on the ground and Steve jumps on it immediately. Dude, that was the moment when I was like, oh, that's his superpower. What a hero looks like is this scrawny little dude in me. I'm not a big guy. I'm a skinny guy. Always have been my whole life. You know what I mean? Saw that little dude jump on that grenade. I was like, holy shit. Fuck yeah, little dude. Good for you. You know, it was that moment, modern times, 
Goku getting shot when I was eight. It's moments like that when you really see what a hero is. It's not what a hero does or anything like that. I mean, there's so many other things that build up to that, of course, but it's in those moments of great stress when heroes shine. And it's those things that, like, with your... I'll even go into the anti-hero verse and say that's where your best anti-heroes shine, like your Bruce Willis's in Die Hard. That is a great hero because of the scenario. He was thrust into it, this, that, and the other. Or your Corbin Dallas from The Fifth Element. Bruce Willis is the best anti-hero. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's these characters that have that hero gene in them. You know, they don't have that quit. They don't have that give up. When everybody's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Oh, my God. You know, Krillin's sitting there about to pee himself. Goku puts his hand on his shoulder. and He's like, hey, man, we got this. And even if Krillin knows without like this, there's no way. There's no way we got this. Goku said it. Oh, shit, we might. And that was Goku's character to me, was even when you don't got it, for sure. Well, shit, you might. Then if you had the opportunity to talk to Goku, to say something to him, what would you go with? What would I say to Goku if I got to meet him? Oh, man. I've never thought about that before. It would have to be... <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. This is a tough one. No, you're good, dude. Take your time. If I was able to ask Goku one question, I think it would be, what does it feel like to gather a spirit bomb? What does it feel like to get all of the positive energy from every accessible source dedicated not to you, but your cause? Because he never used a spirit bomb without expressing what it was for, you know, through whatever you know mental, spiritual connection that he had. But like... To feel that amount of real positive energy, you know, when everybody on the internet is like, hey man, positive vibes, what is that really? What does it feel like to have the combined sum of all of the love and trust from all of these different people and creatures and the planet itself? Like, what's that feel like? I would like to know that. That is a damn good answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for letting me take my time on it. <laughs> no, you're good. Like, I was expecting, like, a, you know, what's it feel like to to go Super Saiyan or teach me to shoot a Kamehameha or something. Like, that was, that was legit as hell. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. One last question. You run into someone who's going through a hard time. Using the lessons that you've learned from Goku, what would you say to them to help them get through it? Man, because of Goku and because of Dragon Ball Z, and, and it's even something that I do now, going not necessarily out of my way, you know? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress that ideal of it. It's not that I'm going out of my way. It's not that it's a burden upon me. It's that when someone's in trouble and you see them in trouble, I mean, first and foremost, you act. That's something that he taught me. And so once you get to that situation, what you could do for someone is be the best version of yourself in that moment and say, hey, man, this isn't who you are. This is just a moment in time you're going through. And before you know it, you're going to be a super saiyan. Because you have to take life's hardest beatings in order to understand its greatest blessings. Damn, you're good at this. <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time thinking, man. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Like that, your that answer felt pre-written. I like it. I like that a lot. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that was off the cuff. But yeah, I think because of the lessons that I've learned from him and the ideals that I've gotten from him in the show, 
And I, I think, man, like, uh, it's, it's a huge part of why I do go out of my way to help people. It's a huge part of why I am the enigmatic person that my friends know me as. It's, it's the reason that, you know, my wife tells me I need to say no more. <laughs> right. You know, I'm like, yes, I understand, but she's not, you're not a super Saiyan, Dustin. I said, no, I can't be, but I'd like to be close. <laughs> you know, I'd like to be, you know, it's, it's that whole best version of yourself thing that people talk about. It's, it's, it's a different version of that because I don't ever believe that you're the best version of yourself. I don't, I don't, I believe that as a destination, not to be succeeded. I believe, you know, like um, Matthew McConaughey says, he said, you know, my inspiration is me in 10 years. You know, who do I want to be in 10 years? Who, who do I want that guy to be? And so for me and every decision that I make with the lessons that I learned and dude, in such large part because of Goku and because of Dragon Ball Z and me and my best friend, Matt talk about it on a regular basis because we're 30 now so we talk about the youth of the nation and how much we wish they had characters like goku in their life you know i don't watch a lot of modern tv or modern cartoons rather as far as like what the younger kids are watching but for me to really think back and be like man they don't have a goku to look up to they don't have they don't have a hero like that to look up to that has real consequences whose actions make a difference it's not just a, a, a series of today's bad guy is and then maybe there's an overarching but nobody dies nothing happens nothing really changes you know when you have someone that has consequences in their life and the things that they're fighting for matter what does our youth have now that is the equivalent and maybe there is something like i said i don't want i'm not going to sit here and pretend like i know but I know they don't have Goku in the way that I had him. And with the addition of Dragon Ball Superman, I hope more people get onto it and see him and, and see what he is as that hero character. Because I, I really think there's far too few heroes in the modern universe. And I think that's one thing that Marvel is doing a really good job with, with Captain America in particular, is, is they make him a hero. Even when he comes in and he's, you know, the soldier boy, he's working for the man, but you're with him. He comes out of that cloud, he's like, oh shit, the man's corrupt. Well, I'm not with them anymore. You're like, okay, this dude's on his own moral barometer. <laughs> He's doing his thing. And so I think I think that's something that the, the world could use a lot more Gokus. All right, cool. Well, just about out of time now. So just real quick before we go, anything you want to plug, either something that you're working on or just something you like that you think other people would also enjoy. And I'm definitely going to plug Team Four Star. If anybody that likes Dragon Ball Z has not seen Dragon Ball Z abridged online, it's absolutely hysterical. Start with episode seven. Like the first six are great, but seven is a great jump on point, and it's hilarious. As far as like other plugs, man, I, I wish I could think of them all. I wish I'd have thought of that first. I'd have written them down. <laughs> uh, but shout out to Bob Marley. You'll never be forgotten. Appreciate you. Preaching the love. Legend still on the top 100 albums sold every year. Keep that going, universe. I like that. All right, cool, dude. Well, it was great talking to you, man. You too, man. It's good to catch up, dude. It's been forever. Yeah, definitely. Heck yeah. If you ever want to do anything like this again, man, please keep me in mind. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah all right. That was a silly shit. <laughs> yeah, that was the best kind of shit to talk about. <laughs> hell yeah. But all right. Uh, I'll talk to you later, dude. All right, brother. Take it easy. Peace. Bye.